Welcome to the Hope Chapel Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this teaching from God's Word. We currently are meeting again for in-person services and would love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. Our in-person service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. You can also tune into our live stream on Sundays at 9 and 11 by going to hopechapel.org forward slash live. Look with me, beginning at verse 8 in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke writes, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. How shall we celebrate Christmas? Well, verses 17 through 20 of that passage give us, I believe, some insight into how we should do that. And this is important for two reasons. The first being the importance of the day. Is this an important day, Christmas day? Absolutely. And secondly, because so many don't know how to celebrate Christmas. Now, we celebrate it, and most people celebrate it and remember uh, the the December 25th date, right? There's some controversy about that. No one knows for sure, but most people believe, most scholars believe, and uh, certainly most people observe his birthday on December 25th. But the question still remains, how shall we, especially as Christians, how shall we observe his birth. This is especially important because of the fact that the world celebrates the day in, quite frankly, non-biblical ways. And most of us have been in the world and can relate to that. We don't want to neglect this and we don't want to certainly misuse this day. So how do you celebrate Christmas? Football games. We watch football games. We decorate or de-decorate. We visit with family and friends. We give and receive presents. We eat. Some people actually get drunk. And many people simply party. I think by far the best and greatest way to celebrate Christmas is by becoming a Christian if you have never done so. 
In other words, the best way to celebrate Christmas is by becoming a follower of him whose birth we celebrate this week. And it all has to do with why Jesus came. The Bible tells us that the birth of Jesus was unlike any other birth and that Jesus existed before being born into this world, into human flesh. He existed as the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity. And that he had become man, not, not to provide us with a sentimental story to tell children each year at this time. He didn't become man to provide us with a theme for great musical compositions, though we do have them and enjoy them. But in order to grow to maturity and then to die for our sin as the means for our salvation. Jesus was born to be our savior. Listen to the words of this particular carol. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one, calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. That's what really it's all about, isn't it? That's what Christmas is all about. Anyone, I suggest you, anyone can understand Christmas by just three simple propositions. The first proposition, I'm a sinner. The second proposition, as a sinner, I need a savior. I can't save myself. The third proposition, Jesus is that Savior. Three propositions. Hence, the best way to celebrate Christmas is to believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never done that, Christmas is, I can't think of a more opportune time than Christmas. Great time in which to believe in him. A great time in which to put your trust in him. But assuming that you have believed in him, that you are already a Christian. What can you add to this in order to celebrate Christmas properly? Now, it's at this point our text comes in, for it is a report of how those who witnessed the very first Christmas observed it. Look with me again, please, at verses 17 through 20. When they, meaning the shepherds, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed, amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The means of celebrating Christmas, this passage suggests, or simply to tell others about it. Tell others about it. To wonder at the event itself. To ponder its meaning. And lastly, to glorify and praise God for what was done there. Now Luke records that after the shepherds had come to Bethlehem and had seen the infant baby, the Jesus, they spread the word about what was told them concerning this child. In other words... The shepherds became witnesses of this event. The reasons they became witnesses are that, one, there was an event. It did really happen. This is history, a great event. And the other reason 
is that others very much needed to hear of it. People need to hear. They need to hear. There is hope. Can we doubt that the shepherds had something worth telling? Hardly. For if their story was not worth telling, then no story that has ever been told is worth telling. This is the greatest story ever told. And if this isn't worth telling, life is lacking in all joy and all meaning. There is no hope. What had happened to these men, to these shepherds? They'd been out in the fields in Bethlehem in the middle of the night, watching over their sheep as they had no doubt for hundreds of nights and no doubt their fathers had done before them. They probably had no thought of spiritual things at all. Can you imagine? And they certainly didn't expect a miracle. But then suddenly an angel appeared with a message. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And after the angel had spoken, there appeared a host of angels, all praising God and singing. Verse 14 tells, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left, the shepherds determined to go to Bethlehem. So they left their flocks. They came and found Jesus precisely as the angels had said. What they had been told coincided with their own experience, and they couldn't resist telling of all these things. These men, poor shepherds though they were, had seen God in the flesh. Think about that. They had heard the announcement of heaven. They had seen angels. They'd come to worship the angel's king. How could their tongues possibly be silent? Are you with me? And when they had seen and heard such powerful things, how could they refuse to tell what they had seen? More than that, not only did these men have something to tell, as we also do, but they also knew of a world that needed desperately to hear their message. It was a sad world in their time. It was lost, confused, dying, lost because it lacked direction primarily spiritual direction. Confused because it lacked an awareness of the truth. Dying because it had no adequate cause for which to live. The world of the shepherd's day is much like the world of our own day in which the lights of knowledge and truth and culture are flickering out. But over against that dying world, there was Jesus Later in his life, he would speak of himself in precise relationship to the world's condition. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, he was the way. He was the way for a world that was lost. He was the truth for a world that was dreadfully confused. And he was the life for a world that was dying. The way, the truth, the life. The shepherds took that message in the only form they knew to their contemporaries. That is the perfect combination, a knowledge of good news and people who need to hear it. That combination, when truly understood and seized upon, quite simply produces witnesses, witnesses. 
Would anyone want to say that those men were not authorized to spread such a message? Will anyone argue that they were uneducated or that they had not been endorsed by the temple authorities? If anyone would argue in that way, let that person notice that they had the most important authorization of all, the possession of good news, good news that had been revealed to them by God himself. Anybody who knows good news is authorized to tell it, tell it plainly and particularly if it is news that will be a means of salvation for others. We've got the greatest news in the world, church. We have the greatest news in the world to tell people. The scriptures tell us in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. In other words, the only ultimate essential for proclaiming the gospel is a knowledge of it. So everyone who knows of Christ and has become a Christian, we can tell other people we have good news to share with them. This then, I suggest to you, is the first way to celebrate Christmas. As suggested by these verses, imitate these shepherds in spreading the word about Jesus. There's a second way that you and I can celebrate Christmas, and this is simply to be amazed at it. To be amazed. Look at verse 18 in our passage. We're told that as the shepherds shared, all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Amazed. You have to be amazed. There are two kinds of amazement, by the way. The first kind is a mere tickling of the fancy, if you will. A temporary fascination with something unusual. But there's another amazement. The other kind is quite different. It's a holy amazement. A holy amazement which is a proper wonder at these acts of God that are beyond human comprehension. In fact, it borders on adoration indeed if it's not identical to it. You're just amazed. Absolutely amazing. In one sense, I think you'll agree, all the acts of God are legitimate grounds for such amazement, aren't they? Everything God does is a source of amazement. If you go back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis, in the first two verses of the first chapter, we discover a description of the earth before God fashioned it into the kind of world we know now. We're told that in that period, at that time, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Whoa, amazing. What a cause for wonder that is. And then out of the darkness, God spoke to call forth order and life. That's the kind of God I want to worship, a God who can do that, can speak to nothing, nothing can hear his voice and become something. Amen? Amen. Yes. He brought forth order and life. And we, and we turn from that picture to the final pages of the Bible. In these pages, we find the Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up and all creation paying homage to him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The Bible plainly teaches that. This also is a cause for wonder. From beginning to end, God's dealings with mankind are a cause for amazement. But of all those dealings, that 
that which should evoke our greatest amazement, our greatest wonder, is the incarnation of the Son of God. And that we mark especially at Christmas. God became man. God became man. How can that be? You and I cannot fathom it. We cannot understand it. But it is nevertheless the truth. And we only have to marvel at it. Or at least we should marvel at it. What an amazing, astounding miracle. You want to celebrate Christmas? Then be amazed at it. Be amazed at it. Allow it to stretch your mind. I believe that is why the wonder of children seems so appropriate at Christmas time. It's not that their wonder is all a Christian wonder, of course. They're not all thinking about God or Jesus as they stand spellbound at the presents and the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. Or at least it's not the whole of their wonder. But their wonder is not inappropriate. For at the very least, it is an analogy of what our wonder should be if we are those who understand the Christmas story. So let us, let us be learning and let this learning be two ways. Children must learn who Jesus is and what Christmas is all about from us, their parents. But they must also learn to love him and to serve him more and more acceptably. But let us also learn from them and so recapture our own sense of amazement at the incarnation. This is the second way to celebrate Christmas. The third way that we celebrate Christmas is to ponder it. For Mary, we are told in verse 19, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want to suggest to you that pondering is connected with amazement because it begins with it. But it also goes beyond amazement as an attempt to understand the mystery or to figure it out. It involves an effort to enter into the very heart and the counsels of God. Do that. Spend some time at Christmas thinking over what you know of God, trying to understand the ways of God more fully. May I also add that pondering is work. It's not just brooding. It's not just getting into a pious frame of mind. No, it is an attempt to take what you know and then by an exercise of the mind to build upon it. Think of what it involved in, in the case of Mary, Jesus' mother. First, it involved her memory, for we're told that she treasured up all these things. Second, it involved her affections, for she treasured up all these things in her heart. And third, it involved her intellect, for she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Can you do that as a Christian? Of course you can, certainly. But the question is, will we? Will we ponder these things? You can remember all these events the moment they became real for you personally. You can sharpen up your affections. Indeed, you must. For it's a terrible thing to have your love for the one who is the Lord of love grow cold. Then you can think about these things 
allow God to teach you more about himself. It just requires that we spend time. Our time is poorly spent if we allow daily affairs to crowd out times of pondering upon God's word. And finally, the text suggests that we celebrate Christmas by glorifying God and by praising him. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. To do that is simply to worship God both by word and in song. The word from which glory and glorify come originally meant to have an opinion. Later, the word came to mean only to have a good opinion. Then finally, by extension, it meant a person's true worth. The noun form of the word doxa, from which we get doxology, we have, in other words, orthodox, a right opinion, heterodox, a wrong opinion, paradox, a contradictory opinion. So the way to use the word, and when you acknowledge a person's true worth, which is only another way of saying that you express a proper opinion of that person, you may be said to be glorifying that person. That's the sense in which we glorify God. Moreover, since acknowledging his true worth is the essential meaning of worship, it means to acknowledge God's worthship. He is worthy of our worship. To glorify God is to worship him by words. It's in that sense of doxology, which means to express a right opinion of God verbally. And that's what the shepherds did. And we're to imitate them. You can tell if you do by attempting simply to rehearse God's attributes. What are those attributes? Well, the birth of Jesus himself teaches us about God's love. For God so loved so much that he became a man in order to die for us. It also teaches us of God's power for an incarnation is beyond our ability to imagine and indeed in beyond our ability to bring into being. In the birth, we see God's wisdom. We learn of his mercy. We see his disposition to use little things to exalt the humble and to humble the proud. We see his grace. Have you seen those things? Have you seen those things? Confess them, praise God for them, shared them with others. You can do that in song, for praising God is essentially an act of glorifying him with the whole being. When you sing, you do it with the whole being. And in this, music quite naturally takes part, as we have done tonight earlier. The carols, the Christmas carols, are so much a rightful part of Christmas. For when we sing those and we understand them, we pay attention to the words. They are the means of praise. Just think of these words. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Just packed, would you agree? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. 
these four ways, these four means of celebrating Christmas that we've just briefly explored, if they seem right to you, and if you want to put them into practice, I suggest that you begin not with the first one, not with verse 17, but with verses 18, 19, and 20. Why? Well, verse 17 says we're to tell others what we have seen and heard. But we can hardly do that effectively until we have first been amazed at Christ ourselves, at his birth, pondering its meaning, and glorifying and praising God for it. If you've not done those things, you cannot tell that which you have not first felt and experienced yourself. So begin by wondering. Wondering at the fact that you have not suffered the just punishment for your sin. Wondering about the fact that God has loved you. Wondering about the fact that Jesus came and died for you. Wondering that God called you to faith in himself when you were yet without hope of salvation. And wondering that you are now God's child and secure in his love. And continue by thinking on these things. Ponder the great doctrines of the Christian faith, the doctrines of the incarnation, atonement, grace, sanctification, heaven, and all the others so that you can begin to grow strong in doctrine. Glorify and praise God for what you know. Sing his praises. And then when you've done that, and are, you are now qualified to speak and tell others. Once you've done those, now go and tell. May God grant you the grace to do those things. And if you and I and all the others who call upon the name of our Lord should do that, the whole world would rightly respond with his praise. And guess what? Christmas would be celebrated properly. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for Christmas again. We thank you that we can gather publicly to acknowledge you, to sing your praises, to think on these things, the truth of who you are, the fact that you came from heaven, took on flesh, Lord, to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sin. We are humbled, we're blessed, we're thankful beyond all that we can express. Thank you. We love you tonight. And we ask you, Lord, have your way in our life. Father, I pray for anyone here tonight who doesn't know you, someone maybe sitting on the fence, uncommitted. I pray too, God, that your spirit would turn their hearts towards you. Grant them repentance and salvation. Lord, save them. Save them, I pray. And I ask in Jesus' name, because you said I could. Amen? Amen. On behalf of the Hope Chapel family, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast. If you would like to know more about our church, you can visit www.hopechapel.org.